Amen. Hallelujah. Let's open up to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to do a little bit of a review from last week, and then uh, we're going to move a little further. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes it's good to remember from last week, because week to week, there's so much that goes on, and uh, it's easy to let things slip. So we'll just uh, review a little bit from last week, and then we'll go a little further in the things that the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. So in Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, I'm sorry, 14 through 16, Jesus is speaking here to the church of Laodicea, and it says, to the angel of the church, which we know is the pastor of the church, in Laodicea, write, the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You know, we did a teaching one time, it's called, Don't Be a Loogie on the Wall of Heaven. You know, that would be like you get to heaven, everything is magnificent, everything is so wonderful, so beautiful, so glorious, and you turn and you look and you go, oh, what is that on the wall? Well, that's Pastor Bob, you know, he was a little lukewarm there. (laughs) All right, anyway, moving right along. So what we found out last week is that they were, there was hot springs from the city next to Laodicea, and there were cold springs up in the mountain. But they didn't want to go to the city for the hot springs, and they didn't want to go to the mountain for the cool springs. They wanted to build aqueducts so the water would come to them. The problem was is that by the time the hot water came from Hierapolis to Laodicea, it would be lukewarm. And by the time the cold, refreshing waters from the mountain would get to Laodicea, they would be lukewarm also. So therefore, they wanted the benefit of the cold water. They wanted the benefit of the hot water, but they wanted it to come to them. They didn't want to go to it. So they would not do as was necessary to go to the streams to receive what was offered. Okay, so what they wanted was the hot springs and the cold springs, but they wanted it in their own convenience. And every stream, by the time it got to them, would be lukewarm. And what we find out many times with folks is they want what God has for them. Everybody wants what God has for them. You'd be mentally deranged not to want what God has for you. Isn't that right? But they only wanted it based on what was convenient for them. And there's many people like that. They want what God has for them, but they want it based on their convenience rather than what the Word of God says they need to do. So they live in convenience, and it's that convenience that creates lukewarmness. Amen? So as much as the city was getting lukewarm water, it also makes the individual lukewarm. Okay, you know, we are to be like the tree whose streams are in the water. All right. But if we are not going to do as necessary to get to the water, we want the water to come to us. That's just the life of convenience. You know, the bottom line is Jesus has already done everything that we need. Isn't that right? A lukewarm person can't bring hot waters of healing or therapeutic conditions to another person or a lukewarm person cannot be a refreshing uh, of cool water to somebody that's in the middle of a heated battle. 
So, you know, people either need the therapeutic warm waters or they need the refreshing cool waters. But if we are lukewarm, then we are not able to deliver either to the folks. So if we live a life of convenience, our life is not going to be a benefit to any others. And the life of God in us is going to remain idle and lukewarm. Amen. So God's desire you know, God's desire is to be is to bless us. Isn't that right? He wants to bless us so that we can be a blessing. But if my condition is lukewarm and it's just a condition of convenience, then I can't receive from God. I want what God has, but I just can't receive it because I'm lukewarm. And therefore, I can't be a symbol that points to God to anybody else. I can talk a talk, but my life will never contact. My life will never deliver. Jesus said the words I speak to you are spirit and life because he didn't just give them a theory. He didn't just give them an idea. Oh, I heard this from so-and-so. No, that wasn't. He was talking out from his life to people, and he was talking out from his spirit. So his life to them was creating life in them. Amen. Amen. So the Laodicea folks, okay, being lukewarm, they said, and they were, they said, we are rich, we are wealthy, and we have no need of anything. And that was true about Laodicea. But yet the richness, the wealth, and the not needing anything was not a blessing from God. It was just the work of their own flesh. Because, you know, you don't need God to get wealthy. The mafia has proven that. So is politicians. You don't need God to get wealthy. You don't need God to be rich. You could say, oh, God blessed, oh, God blessed, oh, God did. But did he? It could just be a work of the flesh. And Laodicea said, we're rich, we're wealthy, we have no need of anything. But what did Jesus say? You're wretched, miserable, naked, and poor. Now, to the church of Smyrna, who was under tremendous persecution... He said of them, they were rich. See, because they were rich in the right things. Richness don't mean money. Not in the kingdom. Not when a, 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 a gate is made out of a solid pearl and the streets are paved with gold. Money don't make you rich. Money can help you out in life, but it don't make you rich. There's a lot of miserable people that the world considers wealthy. Amen. Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. He says, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not lagging, not slow, not delaying, not being tardy, slothful, or lazy. Don't shrink back or hesitate to engage and don't have a lack of ambition when it comes to diligence. But be speedy, be earnest, be ready, be, uh, expend the energy and the effort that you need to. For what? To be fervent, hot, and aglow, to bubble over with the things of God. This is opposite of lukewarm. This is the answer to lukewarmness. Amen. It's being stirred up in the spirit, whether you get stirred up by God's spirit or you get stirred up in a spirit of faith, which t- uh, talks about in Second Peter. So either way, you know, it doesn't matter. 
how it happens or how it takes place. You don't have to sit and wait. You can stir up your own self. You know, in fact, David, when his own people were going to stone him and kill him, it says that he uh, he he stirred up or he encouraged his own self. You know, you got to do that. You know, people sit and they go, well, God didn't do that. So I guess it wasn't, you know, he didn't need to. No, you needed to do it. He made you able to. So either choose to do what you're able to do or sit and wait for something to happen. Amen. So serving in a position of a servant, which is who we are in the kingdom. See, in the kingdom of God, we're a servant. In the house of God, we're a child. But we're a servant in the kingdom of God. We ought to serve, right? So as a servant, we should act accordingly. As a servant would act. How does a servant act? Well, what if you had a servant in your house? How would they act? However you tell them to. You don't ask them, do you have a better idea? No, no, no. They're the servant. They do what you tell them to do. Well, a servant in the house and the kingdom of God does what? Does what the Lord tells him to do. So as a servant takes directions from another we should take directions from the Holy Spirit. That's our position in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, when you first got saved, how many of you remember when you first got saved? Okay. How many of you remember when you first started hearing the word of faith? Glory to God. Amen. And you took hold of it. And you were excited about it. Remember? Remember the, the excitement that was on the inside of you? You were fervent. You were glowing. I mean, my goodness, nobody could hold you down. You were a symbol that's just pointing to God and his goodness continuously. And you started off in flight. You got down into a run. And then you got into that habit of walking by faith. But that walk may have possibly became a sitting and became lukewarm. Huh? And the glow dimmed. The fervency was quenched and the discipleship fell away. And everything that was creating growth in your life, all of a sudden you thought, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I have no need of anything. And you turned away from the very thing that was creating your blessing. It's called the desires of other things, the care of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches. Amen. Amen. And when I say the desire of other things, it may not just be a thing. You know, I could put my wife before God and things aren't going to work well in the house. Don't shout me down. And she could be a thing because the Bible says he who finds a wife finds a good. So the desire for other things could be a problem. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And uh, all those things start to fall away. And then we find out we're not talking to people about Jesus like we used to. We're too consumed with other stuff that we're busy with. I mean, I don't have time for that. Have you ever had an idea where, where God wanted you to maybe talk to somebody and you thought, I don't have the time. Do you ever think that? Don't, don't have to raise your hand. Don't, don't admit to it. It's okay. Keep looking ahead and smiling, and nobody will know we're talking to you. 
Uh, happens to everybody. That's right. Happens to everybody. It's common to all men. Mm -hmm. Amen. So don't try to convince us. No, that doesn't happen. Well, maybe you just got saved yesterday. And happening is coming. Prepare yourself. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, is that a joyful verse or is that a joyful verse? So let me see a smile on your face. There you go. If anyone is in Christ, is that you? That means you're a new creature. That means the old things have passed away and new things have come. You're brand new in Christ. The old is gone and is gone forever. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 18. And it tells us about these new things that came. And it says, all these new things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So all the new things that we received when we accepted Jesus as Lord of our life, all these new things are from God. Not out here, in here. All the new things in here are from God. Amen. Now, he says that he reconciled us to himself through Christ. So God did as necessary to prepare reconciliation for everybody so that anyone, anybody, any place, no matter where in the world, can make the choice to receive what God has prepared in reconciliation for every single person through Christ. Nobody is left out. It doesn't matter your education, your ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you were born. It matters nothing at all. If you're breathing, you're a human being, then you can receive that you can be the whosoever that will believe. Isn't that right? And he gave the whosoever that believed the ministry or the place of service and labor and business of sharing the greatness of this reconciliation. This is a great reconciliation. There's nothing in your life that you've ever received from like this. I don't care if you've had your rent paid, your car paid for. I don't care if somebody gave you a house. Nobody, nothing can ever compare to the reconciliation that you received when you received Jesus as Lord of your life. That God had prepared it for you thousands of years before you were even born. He prepared that for you so that you could be the whosoever. That you would then have that ministry of reconciliation and share with people about the great exchange, about the substitution of Christ, that he paid for my sin. The chastening that should have come on me came on him. That the, the, the sin that I should have paid for, he bore it away. He took the punishment. He went into hell and paid for my price. He bore away my sicknesses and diseases by the stripes on his back. He took it all so that I could be free. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor. If he took all of our sickness, why do we still get sick? Well, if he bore your sin, why do you still sin? <laughs> Choice. Yep. Well, I didn't choose to get sick. Sure you did. The minute you said, I got it, you chose it. Yeah. Oh, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever been tempted? Yes. Raise your hand. I want to see this. You've been tempted. So <laughs> when you were tempted, did you sin? No. No. When did the temptation become a sin? When you chose to receive and take the temptation and act on it. 
Well, just because symptoms attack your body, does that make you sick? When do you get sick? When you choose to receive and accept that which is coming against you. Amen. Jesus bore it all away so that you can have a choice of what you're going to have, what you're going to do, what you're going to receive, what you're going to step into, what you're going to refuse, what you're going to accept. The choice is yours. Amen. Hallelujah. Restoration was provided for us. And anyone, anybody, no matter who, can make the choice to become a friend of God. God did everything necessary through Christ. There's only one thing left. Your choice. That's all it is. It's your choice. You don't have to act good. You don't have to be good to your neighbor. You don't have to be the best person on the face of the earth. You don't have to do anything good, right, nothing. You just have to make the choice. Well, I have to be good enough before I can get saved. If you had to be good enough, you wouldn't have to be saved. It's the whole idea. You can't be good enough. Amen? And that was the whole purpose of the law. The law wasn't there so that you could be perfect. The law was there to show you you can't be perfect. And you need a Savior. Hallelujah. Verse 19. <laughs> Glory to God. Namely, that God was in Christ. Well, how was God in Christ? He was the Word made flesh. There were three in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's committed to us the Word of reconciliation. So God did everything through Christ. When Jesus walked on the face of the earth, when he died on the cross, he went into hell, paid the price, he did it all. Amen. So you don't have to go to hell. It's a sad day when you go to hell and you don't have to. Yeah. And here's the whole point. He did not count your sin against you. He didn't say, oh, you know, bought the things you did. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. You're out. We didn't cover that. Now, now, Jude, I mean, you're okay. You know, we got you covered. Uh, uh, Joe, I don't know. <laughs> you, know, you, know. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like that. He didn't count anybody's sin against them. Now, man says, oh, they could never be saved after what they did. Well, what did Jesus do? You know, what did Jesus do? Jesus paid the price for that sin. See, with man, you got big sin. Then you got little sin. Well, it's just a little sin. You got a, a little lie. And then you got a big lie. You know. Well, to God, sin is sin. It doesn't matter whether you shot somebody in the head or you ate from the fruit tree. Sin is sin. I don't, I don't suggest you shoot anybody in the head. It's not the idea of what I said. I'm just trying to tell you. We think big sin, little sin, but to God, sin is sin. Amen? And the only thing that you have to do, because Jesus paid for all the sin, since Jesus paid for it all, God's not going to hold anything against you. 
So therefore, the only thing that we need to do is accept the sacrifice of Jesus as the payment for our sin. Amen. So let me talk to you in human terms here. Suppose you have a house mortgage of $400,000 and somebody decides to put up the money and pay off your mortgage for you. So they take the 400000 and they put it into an escrow account. And it's all ready to be released on your behalf. And all you have to do, all the person has to do is go to the one that's put up the money and say, I accept your generosity. That's all you have to do. And then the funds will be released. Now, maybe you're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to go to them and say, I accept that. Well, then keep paying your mortgage and quit whining. Don't whine. You chose to pay your mortgage when you didn't have to. Are you with me? So, yet, the funds are already there in the account to release you from debt. But you didn't want to take it. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So somebody comes to you and tells you, I know someone that wants to pay your mortgage off. They've actually put the money in escrow and it's sitting there ready for you. They've done all that's necessary for you to have your mortgage paid off. All you have to do is let them know, I received that. That's all you have to do. Well, what would you do? Well, maybe you'd at least check it out and find out if this is real. Huh? Maybe you'd start asking some questions about this. Are there strings attached? Well, what am I going to be required to do? What are they going to expect from me if they're going to pay my mortgage off? Hmm? You'll talk with the one that has told you that somebody's offering the payment of debt. You're going to talk with them about it because this is the person you've got contact with. Or maybe you'll just ignore it as being impossible and ridiculous. Who would pay my debt off? That's ridiculous. And you could walk away from the conversation with $400,000 sitting in an account ready to pay off your mortgage. And all these questions that you might have could be answered by the one that's sharing with you about the mortgage to be paid off. The one that's going to pay off the mortgage does not hold anything against you because you were a poor steward of finances. Doesn't matter. He wants to pay it off for you. Don't hold it against you. He does not hold it against you about how you lived, squandered your money. He doesn't care about anything that you did in life. He don't care about what's produced good or what failed. Doesn't matter. 400000 to pay off your account. What do you want to do? Are you with me? Well, the choice is only, only in the hand of the one with the debt that they can choose freedom or not. Because the one making the payment already made his choice. He already made the choice and put the money in the account. So now it's just up to the person with the debt, whether they'll choose the freedom or not. And that is the reconciliation message 
that God has given to us. That everything that was necessary is already done. He doesn't care about the way you lived. He doesn't care about what failed and what was, a, what was prosperous. He doesn't care if you think you was a good person or not. He doesn't care if you were a moron your whole life. He don't care about any of that. He don't care that you squandered all of your money. He don't care that you spit in his face and said ugly things about him. He don't care. He holds nothing against you. He has already done what is necessary and put it into your account. And it's ready to be released if you just said yes. That's all you have to do. Now, when it comes to the money, oh, yeah, I'll take it. But when it comes to Jesus, mm, mm -mm. why? Because the devil won't beat you over the head about money. But he'll beat you over the head about Jesus. Because he'll stand in the way and be in opposition and a resistance to somebody accepting Jesus. But that's why you're there. Because you get to be the one that answers the questions. And if you don't know the answer, don't do like Dennis said, make something up. If you don't know the answer, you can always say, well, let me go check with the one that's paid your debt, and I'll get back with you on that. That's all. Amen. And sharing these things with people, what it does is it opens the door for a person to make a choice. Why do they need to make the choice? Because they're the one with the debt. And they have to make the choice of whether they want to be free from it or not. The payer already made the choice. God's already made the choice. Jesus has done all that's necessary. It's already done. It's right there sitting in escrow. Will you receive the release of your debt? Amen. And there is not a religion in the world. I don't care if it's Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Mohammedism. Uh, you know, I don't care if it's the thousands of gods in, in India. None of them, none of them says they've paid your debt. And they're all religion of works, if you're good enough. Whereas God don't care. He's already paid the debt. Amen. Psalm 24. Psalm 24, verses 7 through 10. Dennis shared these verses when he was here. It says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Amen. Selah. You know what Selah means? It means you stop, you're quiet, and the music keeps playing. It's called free worship. That's when the musicians just play, and there's no singing going on, and everybody just individually just is quiet before the Lord and reflects before the Lord to the music. Amen. He is the king of glory. Now, I love it the way it says it in the Passion Translation, Psalm 24, 7 through 10 in the Passion Translation. It says, so wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you doorways of eternity. 
Welcome the king of glory, for he is about to come through you. You ask, who is this king of glory? Yahweh, armed and ready for battle. Yahweh, invincible in every way. So wake up, you living gateways, and rejoice. Fling wide, you eternal doors. Here he comes, the king of glory, is ready to come in. And you ask, who is this king of glory? He is Yahweh, armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven's host. Yes, he is the king of glory, pours in his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So he says, lift up your heads, you living gateways, and that's us. We are the living gateways. You've been designed to be a gateway for God. Amen. We've been given the business of sharing reconciliation with people about the great exchange and substitutionary work of Christ for us. And God loves you. God's made friendship with you. Amen. Even though you may still be on the outs with God, as far as God's concerned, he's made friends with you through the blood of Jesus. Isn't that right? So therefore, friendship is possible for every single person. He's paid your debt, and all we have to do is receive it. Amen. And then you get to answer people's questions, and it's all about bringing somebody to a point of choice. You can't force choice. You can't force it. You sow seed, God waters seed, and God brings increase. But all you do is just declare the truth of the word of God. The Holy Spirit wants to move through us. Living gateways, the doorways of eternity, he's about to come through you. He wants to come through you. Amen. It, the never aging door of destiny. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but from the time Jesus was raised from the dead, he never spoke In a way that would bring salvation to somebody's life. Never did. The angels never declared salvation. The angel came to Cornelius and said, Peter's going to be coming. He'll tell you about the things of salvation. Angels do not declare the things of salvation. God does not declare the things of salvation. It is all up to man. Because man is the one with authority on the earth. God wants to move through us. He can't move apart from us. He wants to come through us. We are the never-aging door of destiny. The door of destiny for God is mankind. The king of glory will come through me. Not only is it an ageless door, but it's an ageless desire of God. It's a continuous desire of God wanting to come through mankind, his people, to touch the rest of the world. Do you remember when somebody touched you? Somebody came to you. Somebody started sharing the gospel with you. Amen. In the same way, God wants to move through us. You know, we can't be so grateful for what God's done for us that we can't allow him to move for somebody else. Amen. Here he comes, so get ready for him to move through you. You know, you know, in Revelation, it says he stands at the door and knocks, right? Well, he's not only knocking at the door because he wants us to open the door so that he can come in. He wants us to open the door so he can have the freedom to move through us. See, a lot of times God can't move through his people because the door's shut. 
What shuts the door? Busy. Other things on my mind. Lukewarmness. I'm not concerned with them. I'm concerned with me. Me and my four and no more. And that shuts the door that he can't move through us. Whereas we need to be ready. Amen. He is the king of glory. And it says, was it verse 8? Who is the king of glory? Yahweh armed and ready for battle, invincible in every way. He is armed and ready to do battle against the enemies of salvation. He'll turn the mountains into the plains and lead the blind by the way they do not know. But he can't do it apart from his people. We just need to fling wide the door, fling it open and allow him access to move through us. He is the commander of heaven's host. Who is heaven's host? It's the armies of heaven. It's the it's the warrior angels of heaven. When, when Jesus was born and, and it says the shepherds were in a field and, and a light shone around them and an angel declared to them. And then all of a sudden the whole sky was filled with the host of heaven praising God. Well, who was the host of heaven? It was the warring angels. And they come and the warring angels praise God. They're not like, oh, we're too big and bad. We, we don't do any of that worship stuff. <laughs> if you don't worship you don't war. He is the king of glory and he is the Lord of victory. Amen. And he wants to move through us because he wants to touch people with his glory and he wants to bring victory into other people's lives also. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. It says, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. The seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. And I heard a voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, how blessed are we? to have our iniquity to have been removed from us. That that which was put into an account, into escrow, we said, yes, I accept it. That was released and our debt was paid. Our iniquity has been forgiven and we've been set free. Glory to God. But wouldn't we want that for everybody? Amen. Well, after the forgiveness came, the question came, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Us who? Not me and the angels. 
Not me and the seraphim, us, Elohim, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. God, plural, Elohim, us. Let us, Father, the Word, and the Spirit, make man in our own image. Who will go for us? The forgiven one. The one that was blessed with freedom. The one that was graciously touched by God and been delivered from his iniquity said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Glory to God. Amen. That's how the response comes when we have been delivered out of iniquity. Here I am, Lord, send me. Or have we gotten lukewarm about our forgiveness and liberty and what Jesus did for us at the new birth? Or are we still on fire and hot, boiling over and fervent, ready to put in the effort to go forth? Because this is not just an Old Testament account. This is not just something that was written about Isaiah. But just as Jesus rose from the dead, and said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. You want him to be with you even to the end of the age? Then we need to be going for him. Amen. Why is it that a lot of times, oh, you know, I used to see God moving in my life, but I really don't see God moving much anymore. Well, maybe you've changed your position. Maybe you're not going like you used to go. Maybe God was touching you because you were living off of the afterglow or the overflow of your going. It's no different than sowing, 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 and learning to live on the overflow of your sowing. You get to the point to where you're no longer sowing because you need. You get beyond that. You know, it's like somebody's like, you know, well, and, and I understand this because this is where things start. But it's like if I just had enough money to pay for my bill, I'd be doing good. And I understand that because we've all been there. But really doing good is having enough money to be able to do for somebody else. That mind's taken care of, and we can do something for somebody else. That's doing good. So our doing good in life is about touching other people through that ministry of reconciliation that's been given to us. And we live on the overflow of it. We're not chasing down the blessing anymore. The blessing's chasing us down. This is why it says in Deuteronomy, if you listen and hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all the things he's commanded you to do, then all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. They're chasing you. Amen. So when Jesus raises from the dead and says, now go and make disciples of the nations, he's no longer standing up like the Lord did with Isaiah and said, who will go for us? He's not asking a question. He's now making a command. Go. That was his command just before he ascended into heaven. Go. Make disciples of them. And it wasn't just to the 12. It was to everybody. Who everybody? Every whosoever. 
that believed in him. The way has been made. The price has been paid. The freedom of salvation is available to whosoever. Whosoever will believe will not perish, but will have everlasting life. It doesn't say whosoever gets his life in order. It doesn't say whosoever stops doing this or stops doing that. You know, when I got saved, I drank as much as I ever wanted to. I just didn't want to anymore. I did as much drugs as I wanted to. I just didn't want to anymore. When I got saved, I was as much of a scoundrel as I ever was before. I just didn't want to be anymore. Before I got saved, I used to say, I don't drink anymore, but I don't drink any less. <laughs> After I got saved, it was, I don't drink anymore. Done. Amen. Freedom of salvation available to whosoever will believe. Ezekiel chapter 33. Hallelujah. Is this helping you? Verse 6 through 9. Ezekiel 33. It says, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and a sword comes and takes a person from them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. Now, as for you, son of man, I have appointed you a watchman for the house of Israel, so you will hear a message from my mouth and give them warning from me. And when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you will surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, the wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from your hand. And then what's the next verse say? Verse 10. What does verse 10 say? Now, as for you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you have spoken, saying, surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we are rotting in them. How then can we survive? So as a watchman, he was required to say the things God told him to say. And if he said what God told him to say, but it was not warned, it was not taken then the person could die in their sin, but the watchman was free. But if the watchman did not give the message that was given to him and people died in their sin, then the blood of those people were on the watchman's hand. You know, as pastor of the church, I am a watchman of this local body. There is no other one. My wife and I, we are watchmen and required to deliver the message that the Lord declares. Just like in the book of Revelation, the Lord came to the angel of each church and that, that pastor, angel, messenger, the pastor was required to bring that message to the church because Jesus said, for them that overcome. So the message had to come to give them the choice of overcoming. And he said, if they overcome, then this is their reward. But the pastor was required to bring the message. And there are things that the Lord shares with me that he wants me to bring to you. And sometimes it could be a word of peace or it could be a word of war. It could be a word of edification or it could be a word of discipline. It could be a word of direction or a word of disappointment. 
It could be a word of holy caresses, or it could be sharp correction. Either way. It's not up to me to pick. It's up to me to declare. But if one hears the message and turns away from it, or if it's something they need to turn towards, if they do it, then their life will be delivered. Because it's all based on choice. Always choice. I have a choice of whether I'm going to say what the Lord's given me to say. You have a choice of whether you're going to receive it or not. In the same way, we are to share the message of this great salvation that's been provided for us. That there is freedom from iniquity. The debt has been paid. And there are times that the Holy Spirit is very strong to share. I was uh, working in this one shop one time and it was kind of slow and we're just kind of sitting around and I went walking by this car and it was an elderly man. Uh, of course, at that time I was in my 30s, so 80 seemed to be elderly. Now it's like 120 is elderly. <laughs> and I noticed that the older you get, the younger everybody seems to be. Anyway, so there's this man and he's in his 80s. And I'm walking by his car and I just know the Lord says, I want you to witness to this man. Well, there's a bunch of people all around this car. And I said, well, Lord, that's fine. I can do that. But in, you, in order to do that, you're going to have to get everybody out of the way so that I can have his attention. So they got done working on the car and they said, well, you know, we need to take it for a test drive. So I jumped up. I said, I'll take it for a test drive. So I take the car out, take it for a test drive and all that, drive all around the area. As I come back, the man has already paid his bill inside the office and he's standing outside waiting for his car all by himself. So I pull up in the car, I get out of the car, close the door behind me and stand against the door. And I started talking to him and I said, you know, and you could tell by looking at him, he is not in good health. You know, you're in good health. But I could see from him, he, he was not in good health. And I said to him, sir, I said, you know, you're in your 80s now. Your health is not doing very well. I said, do you ever think about dying? And you ever think about whether you're going to go to heaven or going to go to hell? No, I don't think about that. I'm going to hell anyway. He pushes me out of the way. Get in the car. Get out of there. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Their response is not my responsibility. I did what I needed to do. Okay. So did he take the warning or not? I don't know. At that particular moment, no. But I said what the Lord would have me to say. Therefore, he left with that seed in him. And therefore, the Holy Spirit now has something to work on the inside of him. He may have died in his iniquity, but he may have taken hold of that seed. And later on, he got saved. It could have been at the last moment. You know, you don't know. Choice. It's all about choice. You know, John Belushi. How many of you remember John Belushi? He was in a diner one night and Johnny Rivers was in the diner and uh, the Lord impressed on Johnny Rivers. You need to go talk to John Belushi about salvation and uh, like right now. 
And Johnny Rivers got up to talk to John Belushi, and Belushi would have nothing to do with it. I mean, Rivers is talking to him, planting seed, but Belushi has nothing to do with it. And Belushi walks out of the diner and goes home and dies that night. Whether he died in his inequity, we don't know. One thing's for sure. That man that was 80 years old, John Belushi, the blood's not on the watchman's hand. Are you with me? Everybody has choices to make. We're not responsible for the choices they make. We're responsible to do and to say as we're supposed to. Amen? All right, Acts chapter 20. We'll close over here. Acts chapter 20. Verses 24 through 27. Acts chapter 20, 24 through 27. It says, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Now, go back to verse 24. And he says here, that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. And what was the ministry? To testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. That is every one of our ministries. That is it. It does not matter if somebody is an evangelist, a pastor, a shoe clerk, an engineer, an accountant, a mechanic. It doesn't matter. We all have that same ministry. And we can only reach people in our sphere of influence. Isn't that right? We have all received the ministry of reconciliation. And Paul said, I do not consider my life. And the word life is the Greek word suke, which means soul. I don't consider my soul, my mind, my emotions, or my self-will of any account as being dear, precious, or worthy of protection. I lay them all out on the line. No matter how you treat me, how you make me feel, it does not matter. If I know that the Lord wants me to declare the gospel and my mind is like, I don't want to, I will not consider my mind. I will not consider my soul. My mind, my soul, my thoughts, my emotions are not more precious than what I know the Lord would have me to do. Amen. Amen. And it is something that we are here on the earth to do. And we are to move forward in it fervently to finish our course. Amen. 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 This is not a take it or leave it position of service in the kingdom of God that's been given to us by the Lord Jesus himself. This is serious business. It's the only reason you've been left here on the earth. The only reason. Otherwise, the moment you got saved, you'd have gone right on into heaven, been with the Lord. But we were left here because there's others that need to be touched just in the same way that we were all touched. We are to testify as opportunity presents itself. You know, the greatest testimony that you can give is your own life. 
This is the greatest testimony you can give, what God has done for you in your life. And there are those that you'll come across that can relate to the same things that you've been involved in. Doesn't necessarily have to be this, you know, it doesn't have to be the same exact situation with all the same exact circumstances. And it's, it's not that. It's what God has done for you. You know, you may have been in a desperate situation health-wise, and somebody could be in a desperate situation financially. But it's you were in that situation, and the Lord worked for you, and the Lord can work for them also. And just like you know what the Word says about healing, you know what the Word says about prosperity. And somebody could be just overwhelmed with anxiety, and you can share what the Word of God says about that, and there's freedom from this. See, freedom from situations in life, Brother Hagin used to call it the dinner bell. It's the dinner bell for salvation. Somebody gets delivered from anxiety. Somebody gets delivered from sickness. Somebody gets delivered from financial situation. It's a dinner bell that's calling them to the Lord, the King of glory, the one that's already provided all things. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. So we testify as opportunity presents itself and share the good news with people. It's good news. It's not fire and brimstone nonsense. It's good news. Amen? Amen. You don't, you don't need to teach anybody about fire and brimstone. They already know they're going. I mean, I knew I was going. I had no problem with that. I was looking forward to the trip because I was an idiot. <laughs> you know? But I figured, I, I'm going to hell. Ain't no big deal. I was just like that guy that, that I talked to, that 80-year-old man. But I was in my 20s at the time. And I'm thinking, I'm going to go to hell. All my buddies are going to be there. Deceived. So you don't need to tell people. I didn't need anybody to tell me I was going to hell. I didn't need anybody to tell me I was, I was living a miserable life. I didn't need anybody to tell me I was doing wrong. This would not have been a revelation. The revelation that I got was when somebody told me about the goodness of God, that God wanted to do good for you. What? What? Good? For me? Why would he do good for me? You know how bad, how miserable? I, 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 no, God couldn't do good for me. But that was a revelation to me, that God was good. Wow. Really? So we can look for opportunities to allow the king of glory to move through our living gateway. Because he'll do it in power. And he'll do it like only he can do it. You know? And he doesn't do it because you got it all together. Dear God, help us. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. He says that he'll even speak to his people through stammering lips. It's not about having it all together. It's about having him together, having him move through you. Amen. And, you know, what was it in verse 27? No. 26. Innocent. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. Now, just consider that. That every time there's an opportunity to share, that will rise up on the inside of you. Will their blood be on your hand or will you share with them? 
Because every time we refuse to share, oh, we're too busy, I got this going on, I'm not able to, whatever. The blood of that person could be on your hands. That's serious. This is serious stuff. You know, we started off the service, yeah, 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 yeah. But now we're serious. Because this is what it all comes down to. And the excitement that you felt in the beginning of the service about being a new creature in Christ, that is nothing compared to seeing somebody else receive that into their life. It's the greatest thing because you were created for that. You, you were destined for this. You were left here for this to see other people receive Jesus into their life and right in front of you become a new creature in Christ. There's nothing greater than that. It's greater than even when you accepted Jesus. It's marvelous. Amen. Amen. Being free from the blood of all men. And maybe we're thinking, you know, well, maybe I haven't done so good in the past. But we can all start fresh right now. All we have to do is say, I commit to this. I commit to allowing God to move through me as he wants to. Maybe you've had a lukewarm position about these things. But yet we can turn away we can repent of it and make the turn and say, I'm going to commit myself to being fervent in spirit and serving the Lord. No longer delaying, no longer hesitating, but going forward when I know that the Lord would have me to share. Really simple stuff. It doesn't have to be, you know, like a 20-minute testimony. You know, we, had a, we, we were out to dinner one night, and the waitress came over, and she said, well, I'll get you drinks for you and all this stuff. And she comes back later to see, you know, what we wanted to order. And she says, have you decided? And I said, oh, we have decided to follow Jesus. And she's like, that's a good choice. We're like, okay, then she's saved and, you know, this is good. So it's just simple things like that. So if we said we have decided to follow Jesus and they would have said, so what do you want to order? Well, then we know. So would you like to make a decision for Jesus? Real simple. I mean, it doesn't take a lot of time. And the, the choice is like right there. Amen. Amen. So what we want to do is go to the springs of the Holy Spirit. So that we can carry around that which is therapeutic and that which is refreshing. And as the Holy Spirit leads us, we can share those things with other people. Amen. So just bow your head for a moment. And maybe you would say, yeah, I've kind of ignored this in the past and haven't given myself like I should have. I remember when I used to, but I haven't done this lately. It just seems to have fallen by the wayside. So maybe you've gotten lukewarm in that area and you just need to make a decision to turn away from that and turn back into being fervent in spirit serving the Lord, that you start taking that verse, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, not lagging behind in diligence, and start meditating on that verse and get it into your spirit and make the decision, I'm going to commit to this, that as I know when the Lord would have me to talk to people, but I'm not going to walk around with my head down. I'm going to walk around with my head up and I'm going to see people every place I go. And I'm going to have a, an attitude of readiness and say, Lord, if there's anybody that you'd have me to share with, just let me know. 
Or somebody may just come right up to you and start talking to you, and there'll be an opportunity to share something. That they'll be speaking in a way about something that you can share back with them. Opportunity. Father, I thank you for what you have done. That you have saved us, delivered us. That in Jesus you paid for our debt, made us free, and brought us into a place of liberty. That Jesus was our great substitute. That he was the one that took away and bore all that we should have bore. But because of your great love, it didn't matter to you how we lived. It didn't matter to you what was wrong with our life. But those were the very reasons why Jesus came and died for us. Because there were things wrong with our life. There were things that we did that wasn't right. So I'm so grateful for what you've done for me. That you've delivered me out of all of those things. And made me a brand new creature in Christ. And put within me all the new things that was directly from you. I thank you, Father, for this great new life that you've given to me. So, Father, I give myself to you right now. That I would be like Isaiah. Aware of my deliverance. And say, here I am, Lord. Send me. I will go for you. Jesus, you said that we should go into the world. We're going. We're surrounded by the world, and we're going. So, Holy Spirit, I look to you to make these things alive, strong, effective, and powerful on the inside. That these things would rise up on the inside of me. That I would go forth, and as opportunity arises, I will share as you would have me to share. And I will remember, for it will rise up on the inside of me, because Holy Spirit, I'm asking you that you do not let any of us forget this. But if we should say, I don't have the time and I can't do it, I want to hear on the inside, their blood will be on your hands. And I want to be free from the blood of all men. So Lord, here I am. Here I am. Say that with me. Here I am. I'm ready to go. Here I am. I'm ready to go. I will not lag behind, but I will be diligent, fervent in spirit. I will have a spiritual excitement, and I will be a symbol that points to the goodness of God. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Oh, thank you, Father, that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us of sin. That even when we confess our sin, our wrongdoing, our shortcomings, when we confess it, the blood of Jesus that's already been shed washes us clean. Not only of the things that we declare and confess, but of all unrighteousness in our life. Thank you, Father, that when we do make that turn, that we choose to confess our sin, we come back to the very first day like we got saved, perfectly clean before you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you for never leaving us. 
Thank you for always being with us, being our helper, being our counselor, our comforter, our strengthener, and our standby. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your empowering presence within. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Lord, as we come before you with our giving, Lord, we seal these things tonight with a seed. We seal this on the inside of us, that the reality of these things that are spoken, Father, that we seal it in us with a seed being sown. We sow this seed, Father, that this don't just become a seed that we hear, but it grows into a reality in our life. So, Father, I thank you for the opportunity to sow our seed, and thank you, Father, for the harvest that comes because of it. We bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.